and welcome to Beyond the Tower, the Omni Homestead Resort's original podcast series. We had such a great time talking to Chris, Tim, and Kevin about all there is to do in Highland County that we're continuing our conversation to learn more about the process of making maple syrup and all the flavor nuances you'll discover. So could you tell us a little bit about your approach to syrup making? With the camps in Highland County, if you were from Vermont, Pennsylvania, Michigan, all the, the major producing states, if you were to come to Highland County, you would absolutely recognize some of the camp's production methods. They'll be identical to what you had back at your home state. You can also see some relatively antiquated systems, such as mine. We try to focus on the 1850s to about the 1920s. And yet, with Kevin sitting right across the table from me here, we go from the 1850s to the 21st century in a matter of about 300 yards from my sugar camp. Up on the hill is Kevin's place. It's a radically different process than mine, or mine is radically different than his. And yet, every single camp in the county, every single camp in the country that's producing syrup, we all do the same steps. We all will drill a hole in a tree. We all attach something to that tree to get the sugar water out. We all get it back to the sugar house. Either we carry it by hand or we pipe it in. We all will cook the water, evaporate it, and then we all bottle the end result. But how you do those five steps, one different technique will change your flavor. It's an amazing, I mean, we've got bottles here on the table in front of us, which you all can't see because this is radio, but it's the same product. And yet with the three bottles we're looking at here, you will have three radically different flavors, which is the unique part about maple syrup. You know, if you go hunting and you shoot a deer, well, your deer is going to taste just like Chris's deer, which is going to taste just like Kevin's deer. You can certainly cook it differently and add spices and do all that, but the product is going to taste the same. Here, it's the same product, but man, you're, you're about to be shocked after this whole thing is over and you all start tasting this. Totally different from the same trees, which is the unique part about it. I think now would be a good time to hop on some uniqueness of the product itself. So if folks are buying syrup or obtaining syrup from stores like, let's say, Kroger, Trader Joe's, Costco, Sam's Club, wherever you buy syrup, which most likely getting is a blended product. So most of your major producers in the United States and Canada are small producers who pull their syrups together or pull it together. And then what they do is they bring it to a boil and they do their bottling process uh, and then they bottle it and then they sell it. And what that is, is a blended product. A good part of Highland County is individual sugar camps, we call them sugar camps, maple syrup producers, who will produce from their property. And that's when you truly get the uniqueness of the flavor. So what Tim's talking about is he's exactly right. He's a couple hundred yards from us. He's not far at all. We're on the same mountain. Our trees are very similar, if not almost the same soil types. So it should be the same. It's not, it's absolutely not the same. And so each camp does it a little bit differently. Yes, we boil water, we make syrup. 
but it's what comes from that particular farm and the weather that's happening on that particular day that lends itself to how that syrup tastes. And a lot of folks will find a particular brand, such as Duff Sugar House, and that's all they want. And they'll go through the entire county and go, nah, it's not as good as Tim's. Or they'll come up to us and say, you know, we love your syrup. And so once you kind of gravitate to that, you found the, the love of your life and syrup, that's where you buy from. And you'll keep coming back time and time again to get that syrup and then experience what was going on on the farm that day that we made it, the weather, the conditions, the process. It's pretty cool. Now we have in front of us a variety of different maple syrups, and they're a really beautiful and broad spectrum. There's one that's very light, almost the color of apple juice. It's, it's just so light and delicate. And then we have some that are, in my mind, the color of maple syrup I'm more familiar with, which is a really dark, robust amber color. Can you guys tell us what do we know or what do we learn just looking at the color and what influences that? Generally speaking, the, the lighter the syrup, the earlier in the season it was made. Generally speaking, the tree will drop from the roots. The We call it the cleanest. That may not be the correct word. The most pure water that it has stored down deep, which has contact with the roots. The sugar is transferred into that. The water you're getting up is the purest of the water. There's very few enzymes. There's very few other materials in there other than sugar, naturally occurring sugar, which was made the previous summer. As the season progresses, the tree is drawing up deeper water, some of its, quote, reserve water towards the end of the season. It has more stuff in it. Uh, it's all beneficial stuff, but there's more stuff in the water. So as you evaporate it down, you're going to get a darker, more robust flavor. Uh, when you walk into the sugar house in late January, you'll smell it. It smells great when it's cooking. When you walk into the sugar house in March, towards the end of the season, you can be outside the sugar house, get out of your truck, and you can smell. It's just a much more pronounced, much more robust flavor. I'd like to add that weather is a big factor as, as well. So from my experience, and although I don't have the experience that Tim does, uh, we take samples of the bottles throughout the season, put them into a window, and we can show people, you know, the beginning of the season is always light. And it's light because it's cold. The warmer it gets, the darker the syrup gets. If you get a cold spell, the water stops running in the trees. The very next time it runs, it's going to be light. At least that's what happens on our farm. But as you get to the end of the season and it's warmer, it's always warmer in March than it is in January, February in, in Highland, you're going to get a darker syrup and it's a different flavor. So your lights are going to taste light and delicate. Your darks are going to have a more robust maple flavor to them. That's fascinating. So it doesn't have anything to do with the process or the technique that you're using. It's a naturally occurring phenomenon with the color. Yes and no. So technique is very important, but in my process, everything is fairly new. Um, my equipment's new, my lines are new, and my processes are documented and followed to the T. So the only variable in my process is weather. If you go to other camps, whether their processes are documented or however they do it, their process can affect the color based on their equipment. 
So the longer syrup remains in the pan, as in Tim's case, which is days or hours, you know, that affects the amberness of it. So it's going to get a darker flavor or a darker color because it's been in there longer. When I'm making syrup, especially in the beginning of the season, uh, we make syrup in, hence going to sound crazy, minutes. And as a result, you get a lighter syrup because it spends less time in that pan getting to the amber. If we were doing the process similar to his, then our colors would be very similar. But we don't. And that's part of the uniqueness in the color that you see in front of you right now. So you mentioned a little bit about the syrup being in the pan as part of the process. For those unfamiliar with the maple syrup process, could you just give us a brief overview of what that looks like? Would you like to start with the old yeah, and do, then advanced? Do the old man way first, and then you can come over to the young. And yet, as I explain it, cabins will be radically different, and yet the same. It's just done in a 21st century method as opposed to my method. But the basics are the same. I do collect in buckets. I don't use tubing. I then bring the sugar water, the tank containing the sugar water. Some people call it sap. It's not sap. It's sugar water. Totally different products. We bring the sugar water back to the sugar house, put into a large elevated tank. It feeds by gravity into a 1930 English tin flat pan. If you make sorghum molasses or uh, cane sugar way down south, it's a very similar looking pan, just a little bit smaller. We light the fire. Uh, We are wood fired only. We don't use propane or number two heating oil. If my tank is full, which is 325 gallons, it takes me approximately 30 to 36 hours to drain that tank into my little pan the 325 gallons of raw product will become about 15 gallons of condensed, super sweet water. It's not syrup. I generally will wrap things up on that process at midnight after being up for 30 some odd hours. I take about a three hour nap. I get up. I then transfer the 15 gallons into my iron kettle which is an 1885 sugar kettle. If I can start that fire at five in the morning, by one o'clock that afternoon, I will have made about three and a half gallons, sometimes up to four gallons on a good day of finished product. And yet there's faster ways to make syrup as you're about to hear. We intentionally don't do it that way. We want it to drag out this ridiculously slow, labor-intensive way because we like the flavor. And yet we like Kevin's flavor. It's just, it's a personal preference. I would not recommend that anybody follow our business plan because you'll go broke and you'll be very tired for four months out of the year. But it's our way of doing it and we thoroughly enjoy doing it. Now for the more modern way, Kevin? We do it completely different. And yet... You do the same thing. We do. Okay, so we do it very similar to what Tim does, with the exception we tap our trees and everything is plumbed directly to the sugar barn. Um, Our tank is a 5,000-gallon tank, and it fills up one to two times a day with water, sweet water. And the industry does call it sap, but in reality, it's, it's not sap. It's sweet water. At the end of the season, it's sap, and that's not what you make syrup with. So 
after the water comes into our barn, we do a process called reverse osmosis to it, where we remove a lot of the water and keep the minerals and sugar into a concentrated tank. And then from there, we put it into our evaporator, which is uh, number two diesel or number two fuel oil, which is diesel, which is what everything else on our farm is powered by. So we use the same tank for that as well. We then begin the boiling process to make the syrup. And you may have heard me earlier saying that we make it in minutes versus hours. And, and that's mostly true. Uh, we have to prime our, our system first. In order to prime the system, it usually takes anywhere from three to five days of boils to get the different sections of the pan or the evaporator with the proper sugar content. And then the very next time that we make syrup, we make syrup in 20 minutes because it's already been in the back pan for a period of time, gaining the flavor and intensifying the flavor and the colors. Some big differences from us would probably be, again, the time, how quickly we can make it and then how much we can make as well. Uh, we're not huge producers, but we can make upwards of 100 plus gallons a night. And that's kind of fun. You know, it is really pretty cool. We don't bottle those evenings, I can tell you that for sure, because I can't stay up that late. But our process usually starts in the afternoon at collecting water. We've collected water all day, and then we begin the reverse osmosis process. And then in the evening, we do our boil, and we finish making syrup when the water is stopped running. So the reason our Maple Festival is held at the time it is, is it's right during this short window in late winter, early spring, when syrup can be made. I mean, it can only be made at this specific time of year. And... It's basically as taking the sugar water from the root of the trees to the leaves. That's what's being tapped and collected by each of the sugar camps. Um, and again, through the freezing at night, thawing in the day, that contributes to it. So again, it's like a six-week, roughly, window. And that's when they're collecting the water, and essentially it's just boiled down or evaporated, however that is, till it gets to a certain sugar content and that's syrup. So there's nothing added to pure maple syrup. It's actually just reduced. And that's, it's what it is. That's what real maple syrup is, which is so unique. I mean, you know, I didn't know much about it even just growing up, but just to know that that's what it is. And that sounds easy, but it's so labor intensive as Tim and Kevin are about to tell you about the different ways they do it. Just the hours that it takes. Again, it's about 40 to 60 gallons of the sugar water has to be reduced to make one gallon of syrup. No. Maybe that's wrong. Uh, yeah, well, oh. it's not wrong. If you have trees that are inside of a, a pasture, which has a big canopy on it, but if you have a mountain tree like most people do in the county, it's about 80 gallons to one. So you're getting about 1% sugar out of the tree. If you had a tree on the in the pastures with a big, huge canopy, you could see three plus percent or more. We don't have that. Not on my farm. <laughs> Now, along with what Chris just said, one of the most common, we get a lot of common questions during the tours. The one that comes up almost every single tour, they will they'll take a little cup. We let them drink right from the tree, right from the, the tank that we've collected from. They'll drink the pure sugar water, which tastes to their mind or to their palate, it tastes like water. If it's over 1.5 to 1.8% sugar, I can taste it and tell you, what it's going to test out at with the hydrometer. They will then ask me, and it comes up every single time, okay, we just tried your water, 
So when during the process, which for me is about three and a half days, when during the process do you add the color, the flavor, and the sugar? And the answer is no, no, no. If you buy pure maple syrup, somewhere on the label, it's required, it's going to say pure maple syrup. It is not adulterated. You're not going to find FDNC color brown. You're not going to find corn syrup, as you will with what we call the fake or the, the store-bought syrup, which is perfectly fine. If you like Aunt Jemima or Log Cabin, it has chemicals in it to give it the color. It adds sugar to make it sweet. It makes you think you're drinking the real product. You're not but it certainly looks the part. And some folks, that's what they grew up with. That's what they like. In Highland County, this is what we grew up with. This is what we like. And it is nothing added. All we do is take away moisture, reduce it down, and you get what you're about to sample. Well, on that note, why don't we give a few of these samples a try? The most blonde out of the three we have in front of us is from Milgap. Kevin, can you share a little bit of background on this? Sure. Most of the syrup that we make on the farm is a light to a medium light, mainly because our equipment is all new. Our lines are new and very well maintained. And so there's virtually nothing to contaminate the syrup at all. Also, the, the fact that our syrup only spends a very limited amount of time in the evaporator lends itself to a lighter, more delicate syrup. Towards the end of the season, we'll make a darker syrup, but for the most part, beginning the beginning of the season, towards the middle, it's usually light. And you're probably gonna have some flavors that will jump out at you. Overwhelmingly, we hear vanilla. But rest assured, nothing has been added to this. So it is exactly as it came out of the tree based on the weather of that day, and that's how we bottle. Don't blend within color spectrum. So if it came out of the tree as a light, it's gonna be bottled as a light. If it came out as a medium, it's bottled as a medium, and likewise a dark. We don't make a lot of dark as a general rule. So we're bottling mainly lights and mediums that way. That's what it is. It's fantastic. The scent is very, very faint, very light. And then when I sip on it, it's so funny you said vanilla because it makes me want a scoop of vanilla ice cream. You really should try our Tootsie Roll. So we have a dark that tastes identical to a Tootsie Roll. And it's, it's limited in quantity because we only had one keg of it. And when that keg is gone, that syrup is now gone. We can't duplicate it because that's what Mother Nature did. We didn't add anything to it. And so it kind of became what it is. That is just delightful. Now we have another one from Milgap as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? It has a much more familiar color. It's kind of a dark amber. So the one that we're about to try now is our single barrel rye whiskey maple syrup. And what we've done is we've partnered with Catoctin Creek, which was Virginia's first organic distillery. Currently, they're not certified organic, but when they put their rye whiskey into the barrels, it was certified organic, and the barrels that we receive were part of that process. Uh, what we do is we take, uh, let's say we collect it on a Tuesday morning. By Wednesday morning, we have brought them home, we have boiled our syrup, put it into the barrel, and we begin the aging process, which takes anywhere from six months to a year plus. We're currently pulling out batches that are a year old. And the longer it remains in the barrel, the more complex the flavors are. And this is our single barrel rye whiskey maple syrup. I didn't know that you could age maple syrup like a whiskey or a wine. 
you can, and it's really, really good. We're now experimenting with other versions of aging, uh, one of which is a coffee infused. I'm not sure if we're going to perfect that one. Some friends up in Vermont do it, and they do it very well. They infuse it. We're going to try our version of it and see what we can do. But without a doubt, our single barrel maple syrup is absolutely delicious. And I got to tell you, I don't put it on pancakes. This is a sipping syrup. It is absolutely delicious. We'll use it in things like ice cream. We'll use it in uh, maple glazed pecans or other sugar substitutes, if you will, or other recipes that we would use or mix things with syrup. The scent of this is a lot stronger than the lighter colored one. This single barrel is going to taste like rye and it's going to finish in maple syrup. So you're going to get a hint of maple syrup at the end, but the overwhelming flavor is going to be rye. As my father would say, this syrup is not for sissies. You get that rye flavor. You do. And the last sample that we have in front of us is Duff's. Tim, can you tell us a little bit about this? This is towards the end of this past season. First week, maybe the second week of March, weather turned very warm very quickly. Uh, the season actually ended about a week and a half to two weeks earlier than expected. It also started later than expected, so we had a very short season. This is the end, one of the end runs. We did one run before the end of the season, and this is it. It's a medium to dark amber. It's not quite into the, the grade B, or what we used to call grade B. It's just a nice dark amber. It'll be a little more robust in flavor. Give it a shot. Okay, this reminds me of uh, when I was a kid and we were taking communion at church and my sister, as my mother put the communion cup to her mouth, went... <laughs> the entire church just looked at my mother <laughs> because there's a dead silence when we're trying Timmy's syrup. <laughs> and I so much want to go... <laughs> Delicious. What's interesting, if we had the other seven or eight producers here in the county, you'd be tasting seven or eight more different flavors. Very few are going to be identical to their counterpart. And it all comes from the same type of tree, different part of the county, different elevations, different cooking methods, but it's all sugar water. Well, and this is just so interesting because the aroma is beautiful. It smells like maple syrup. I feel like this I feel the flavor in a different part of my you mouth will. than there I did with the others. Now I just have a sugar buzz from trying all of this maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kevin, you mentioned that your farm is organic. What exactly goes into getting that certification? Well, there's quite a lot that goes into the certification. But first and foremost, we probably want to say that organics is a big topic and when you look at commodity pricing or commodity products such as corn or wheat, there's a huge definition there. Look at syrup, for example. It's water that comes from a tree. It is probably the most narrow margin of any product that is certified through the USDA as organic. Tim's could be certified as organic as easy as mine could be certified as organic if he would go through those processes and document them and do them like we did. Coming to Highland County, we knew we couldn't just make maple syrup because there's so many great producers here in Highland. So we had to be a little bit different. 
Uh, and organics was a, is a methodology and a way of life for us. You mentioned that you're a foodie, and, and so are we. So we want the very best food that we can have. Getting certified organic takes a considerable amount of time. It, it starts with process, and everything is about a process. Whether you're going through the process of getting certified or whether you're making syrup or whether you're going through inspections, it's all process and process-driven. First and foremost, our trees are not sprayed with anything. And most, most people in the county probably can say that as well, but we have to certify that through an affidavit. So our trees and our pastures and our apples and everything on the farm is not sprayed with any, anything at all. Secondly, we look at the tapping parameters. And in our situation, it is very conservative. We start tapping trees at 10 inches, nothing below it. From 10 to 13 is one tap. From 14 to 16, that's two taps. Uh, 17 plus three taps, no matter how big the tree is. If it's as big as the table that we're sitting at, um, and we do have some rather large trees on our property, the most we can tap is just three times in that season. So every season thereafter, it's, you know, the tree may grow, we might get an extra tap out of it, but typically mountain trees don't grow fast enough for that. The next thing that sets us apart is within the process of making the syrup, especially in a production environment, you have the boil in the back pan, which is enclosed to a big degree, creates lots of foam, and you have to knock that foam down somehow or it will bubble out. And it looks like beer foam, actually. And if you don't knock it down, you don't get to make syrup anymore that day because it is going to blow out and everything's going to be a real mess. So we have to take that down or knock it down, and we use organic safflower oil. As part of the process, whoever certified that oil, I have to go to them to get a copy of their certificate, and then it has to be in my file, and then I present that to my, my certifiers, um, and it has to stay in their file as well. And you're talking about one or two drops of oil or some product, like a milk-based or something for non-certified folks, um, that will knock that thing down or knock that foam down. And then we talk about process. Process is really big. So everything we do on our farm is SOP, step one, step two, step three, uh, from collecting water to bottling, uh, everything in between, using the reverse osmosis, cleaning our equipment. Everything has to be documented and followed to the T. It's logged as well. And then annually, um, inspectors come out of the northeast and uh, we spend a day going into the woods, looking at our trees, looking at our lines, going through all of our processes, looking at all of our logs, and then making any adjustments that we may have to make, if any, and then we're recertified for it. So that happens every single year. Tremendous amount of paperwork, tremendous amount of work. For us, since I'm so new to this, uh, it really makes my life a little bit easier because when I go to make maple syrup, I open my notebook and I look at it and go, step one, step two, step three, step four, we have syrup. It works for me. And that's one question we get a lot is, you know, why is yours organic and nobody else's? Well, there's a lot of paperwork involved and there's also some process involved as well. So I'd love to ask each of you for your insider's scoop. If someone had only a single day to spend in this area, what's one thing that you would say, oh, you cannot miss this one thing? We've got four or five general stores in the county. If you're coming through and don't have a full day to spend, but you've got three or four hours, it sounds really odd. I would stop by Mountain Oasis or Grants Grocery or Curly Maple or the Bluegrass Mercantile, stop by one of the stores, get a sandwich, 
I recommend the roast beef from any of them. It's really good. Get yourself a soda, sit out on the front porch and have lunch and just sit there until somebody comes up on the porch. Introduce yourself and just see where it goes. We've got some of the most interesting people in the county, and they're all willing to talk with you. Uh, your lab would end up going home with them to look at their alpacas or to see a trout stream, or you don't know where you're going to end up, but you'll be perfectly safe. You're going to leave the county very glad you stopped for a sandwich. I know it's not a, the typical answer you're looking for, but you want to see something really unique, get a sandwich and start talking to somebody. Relevant to what we're talking about here, I mean, I would definitely say call one of the sugar camps on the Virginia Maple Syrup Trail, uh, including, again, Duff's Sugar House at Fairlawn Farm and Mill Gap Farms are a part of that. But call one of them, go to their sugar camp, spend some time. Each one, I mean, you've just heard two stories here and, and all the, the nuances and differences, and this is just two. And there's Again, there's 11 actual sugar camps in Highland, eight on the trail, and you can learn so much. Other things that you can see, I mean, we have producers that go back generations. Some are brand new. Some are delve into other syrups, uh, hickory syrup, which is a different process. We have the first and uh, only producer of black walnut syrup in the Virginia. So there's, there's infusions of other flavors in their syrups that you can add. The list goes on and on. You'll find something amazing <laughs> and a memory to share with the whole family. While you're out riding around, I would also suggest a trip up. If the views weren't enough, just driving around. But we have a restored fire tower just east of Monterey. Climb over 100 steps with your family. It's open sunrise to sunset. And uh, just go up there and look <laughs> and sit for a minute. And uh uh, that's just a really fun thing. You might have some wobbly legs, but just another memory, just another another neat thing you can do on, on your travels. Yeah. So one of the things that I tend to direct people to when they're in Highland County is the fish hatchery. It's not too far from McDowell, and it's absolutely amazing. It looks like kind of like a tremendous chicken house as far as the building goes. It is huge. And inside of there, tons and tons and tons of trout from little tiny minnows to 15 pounders. And you can fish around the area too, all the way to it. There's the Bull Pasture River where you can fish, but to get there before three o'clock, because that's when they close, but to go there and just see it is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm like a little kid every time I go there because I could just sit in and just watch those fish swim in circles. It's just so much fun. Well, that is all the time that we have for now. Gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and for sharing your syrup with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Learn more about Hidden Treasures at the Homestead by listening to our entire podcast series available at theomnihomestead.com slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and many other podcast apps, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For exclusive offers on the Omni Homestead and other Omni hotels and resorts, sign up for Select Guest. The program rewards members with a simple way to earn free nights and access to exclusive offers. Plus, returning members enjoy perks like complimentary daily beverage and more. Beyond the Tower is a production of the Omni Homestead Resort in Hot Springs, Virginia. The title music, Welcome to My Homestead, 
is written and performed by David Hill. Our executive producer is Lynn Swan. Our producer is John Kendall Royston. And your host is me, Jesse Bruton. Many thanks to all of our talented guests. For information about how to book your next stay, visit theomnihomestead.com. Thank you.